You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, Bills Mafia? Fernando Shibudi here with another Leading the Charge. And today is a day to put behind, put uh, away that awful game against the Jets and focus on the uh, Las Vegas Raiders matchup week two. Uh, I'm your host, Fernando Shimudi, and I'll be doing this game preview via Buffalo Rumblings in your Leading the Charge. Um, but before... Uh, Before talking about the Raiders, I will have Randy Hartman joining me to have some observations and have a good talk about this Jets game and, and finally put it behind us so we can focus on week two. So, Randy, thank you so much for joining me today, man. I've had some great interactions with you via Twitter and it's, it's uh, awesome to be able to add you to the leading the charge today. Welcome. Can you hear me, Andy? Randy, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Randy? I think we have some technical issues here with Randy Harmon. I will ask him to, to fix his... I don't think he's hearing me. And we're going to talk Bills. We're going to talk Bills and, and Raiders. So I'm, I'm waiting on Randy to, to fix his, his connection so we can talk about Bills and Jacks, Bills and Raiders. And feel free to interact via comment sections, Bills Mafia, uh, so we can have a, a good interaction there. So talking about Bills and Jets so we can put it behind us. Um Awful game, no other way around to, to, to talk about this. But I think it kind of showed us the Bills that we already knew, right? Uh, we, we knew that they were a really good team, but a flawed one that has fallen short in the last few seasons. And, and so... They have their flaws. They aren't perfect. They're far from perfect. And even our quarterback, who I I have really uh, talked up all the time and have compared to Mahomes and have said that he's even better than Mahomes, I think uh, we all can agree he has his, his shortcomings sometimes, especially about uh, refusing to take what's given him. Uh, he really has to work on his patient his he has to work on 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 being patient on being cautious on taking care of the ball and and taking what's given to him and we knew that this this uh this game against the jets wouldn't be easy especially against the the jets defense right that's a great unit to to that the jets have there I believe Randy has fixed it. Let me see if I can add him back to the, the show. Andy, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Awesome. Yes, now that's working. Welcome, Randy. Thank you so okay. much for, for taking your time to be with us today, man. And I'm just introducing, trying to put the Jets game away, uh, put it away, right, and move on to the, the Raiders game. And we've had some great interactions on Twitter, and it's a pleasure to have you here today welcome man oh thank you appreciate you having me on 
So I was just talking about the, the Jets game and how how Josh struggled to, to take advantage of, of what was given to him. Like the game at the beginning, it wasn't it wasn't like he was playing awesome or the Bills were playing awesome, but it seems like they could move the ball even though even though it wasn't easy or or it wasn't through some big plays and the plays that we we used to see Josh doing. But against that kind of defense, dropping back in cover, taking away the the, the deep stuff and make making Josh take the short passes, the Bills were able to kind of do it. And and obviously without Rodgers, they weren't so dangerous to the to the Bills defense. And unfortunately, it just looked like Josh got bored of this kind of uh, game and 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 being patient and taking the short stuff and and wanted badly to to be himself right and uh i want to bring on that analogy that you made about the movie because that's a really great one and i hope you can share it with us and with the leading the charge uh crew here all the the people yeah. who are following us yeah yeah absolutely um so i was i was thinking about because you know everybody said the same thing he said he wasn't taking what was given to him he was taking too many deep shots trying to make something happen and i was trying to come up with a you know, kind of a comparison analogy to, to make it a little bit easier to, to digest for a lot of people. And I started thinking about the movie Casino. And there's a scene in that movie. It's about a two minute and two and a half minute dialogue um, where De Niro is talking about the, the whale Ichigawa, the businessman, the Asian businessman. And, you know, he says that he plays hard and he's fast and he's got the he's got the cash and the credit to turn your lights out. Well, that reminds me a lot of Josh because Josh has the cash and credit being that's how it's strapped to his right arm and his legs that he can turn anyone's lights out if you give him the opportunity. Um, and so the, the way that they counteracted that is they boxed him in, made sure he couldn't really get out of town, which is what the jets do. They box him in, make sure he can't really do what he wants to do. And then eventually when he came back, he played small, you know, but eventually got, you know, got impatient, which is again, a good comparison for Josh. He can play small in short bursts, but long term, like he he's always looking to take that shot. He likes that kill shot. He likes that big deep ball. And the Jets knew that. So they knew that by making him play small, 10,000 a hand versus 100,000 a hand, that eventually he was going to impatient start taking his shots and that's where they would get their money back. And they did in the form of three interceptions, you know, to basically put the game within reach and then all they had to do was just kind of get that last second score. Um, so I felt like it was a real apt analogy for Josh because he can play small ball, but he's always looking to take that shot. And eventually, if teams are patient enough, especially the Jets because of the way that defense is constructed, specifically to beat the Bills, uh, it really it really is effective for him. Absolutely. They have the pieces, right? So it's not like, oh, everybody can replicate it. No, it's not that easy. No. To have yeah. a defensive line like the Jets have, to have a, a defensive backfield like the Jets have, and even the linebackers, because Quincy Williams is real fast, and CJ Mosley, I believe, is one of the most, uh, one of the best, uh, is still one of the best Mike linebackers in the league, and and I was a huge fan of him in his Ravens days, and even early on his Jets days. I remember a game. I can tell you for sure uh, the date, the year, but I, I clearly remember a game that. The Jets were playing really tough against the Bills. And from the point that C.J. Mosley got injured and left the field, the Bills started to be able to, to move the ball and, and they could win that game. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember that game. I remember that game, too. Yeah. 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 He, 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 I think he was injured in a coverage snap. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was a shot or a, a pass in the middle of the field in the, near the end zone. And, and he got injured, the muscular stuff, and got to yep. leave the, the game. And from that point on, the Bills could move the ball and could score and could win that game. But as long as Mosley was on the field, he was a nightmare for that Bills offense. I, I don't even remember if Josh was already the quarterback. Maybe it was Tyrod still. But he was he's an impact player. He's very smart. And, and he knows how to play the position against the pass, against the run. So that's a great defense. And that's why in my preview to the game, Randy, I said, if the Bills can play really well against this defense, look out because they will be a dominant offense for this season and Josh will be at MVP level again. So obviously we struggled and, and he had those 
interceptions and and people are like uh even questioning if you would trade josh for zach wilson which kind of crazy kind of conversation to have at this yeah. point overreactions all around but i think he has all the 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 skills the everything in place to just yeah. get back on track and play a great season again the but thing with, is with, with josh it's it's all about him fighting himself you know the the big plays the hero ball stuff it's muscle memory that's been built in from for him since he was you know in in prep doing high school ball because I'm sure a lot of people realize Fireball California is not exactly rife with talent, you know? So he was the best player on the field in, in high school. He was the best player on the field in JUCO. And if you pay attention to like Wyoming pre when Josh got there during his time and then directly after, there's a stark difference between the amount of games that they won. And I mean, yeah, they might've had a few other players there, but most of that is because of the impact that he brought, not only just to the offense, but to the overall team. So I mean, he's used to being the best player on the field and having to basically will his teams to win. And even though in Buffalo he's got way more talent than he's ever had in his life, that's still a muscle memory thing where it's hard to get over. And if he's feeling boxed in and he feels like he's getting the pressure and he needs to make a play, he's going to do it. And so that's where we see some of those bonehead Josh things that people just have such a hard time with. Like, I understand it. I followed him for a long time, you know, during Wyoming in that year and, and leading up to and did a lot of research on his background. Like, I feel like I get his mentality. So yeah, it annoys me. It aggravates me, but it doesn't bother me to the point of, you know, going overboard and wanting to, uh, you know, trade him or saying he's not one of the best quarter. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, top three easily. And if he can corral some of that and uh, kind of evolve his mentality, then he can easily, you know, move into that two or even one spot down the line. He's got the talent it's just about harnessing it and, and correcting his own internal flaws. Yeah, man. I, I'm of the opinion that when he's at his best, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. That's my opinion. I I, I respect yeah. people. And obviously, Mahomes, Mahomes have, he has the, the, the Lombardis. He has the MVPs. He has the, you know, the, the resume that Josh still doesn't have so far. But when he's playing at his best, man, I... I normally say Josh can do everything that Mahomes does. I don't think Mahomes can do everything Josh does, you know? So that's why I believe he's the best player at his position. Yeah. But he he got to fight his own demons, just like you said. Randy, with you being a guy who followed him from a long time now, even through his Wyoming days, just like you said, because if I remember correctly, you were fully on board with and you loved the pick. I hated the pick when it happened, but I, I yeah, and I'm not I'm not trying to dance around this stuff. No, I hated it, man, and I never deleted my my old tweets because that's something I said. And I don't feel the pressure like I need to be right all the time. If no. general managers, scouts, they make mistakes all the time. Why Fernando Shimuji from Brazil have to be right all the time? You know, so <laughs> I I don't care, man, with my mistakes, right? right. Uh, I just share my opinion and my thoughts, and sometimes I'm. I'm good, sometimes I'm bad, uh, but I, I keep firing, you know? And I hated the pick, but it was kind of that lazy scout, you know? Like, okay, I've, I've heard this this story before of the big-time arm, big-time athlete that coaches fall in love because they see all the, the, the potential and they think, oh, I will work with him and he will be a better player. And then they can't for some reason. Jamarcus yep. Russell... Ryan Mallett, uh, Paxton Lynch, J.P. Lozman. Yep. So we have a lot of those, you know, we had a lot of those in the NFL. But people who followed him closely could see that thing that Ray Lewis says, you can't measure heart, you know, could see the heart from Josh. I, that's something that I didn't have in my evaluation of him as a prospect. Yeah. And, a, and a, another big part of it was how underdeveloped he was from, you know, from prep on forward. I mean... And a lot of that was due to his own choices. So, you know, Josh, growing up, his family was not, they weren't rich by any means, but they had enough means to where if he had wanted to, if he had pressed the issue, he could have gone to a bigger high school. He could have gone to the seven on seven camps. He could have gone to the elite 11 qualifiers and all that. Like he could have done all that if he, if he wanted to, 
if he wanted to strain his family and have them driving him around and all that other stuff, he could have done those things and been in the Darnold and the Rosen and the Mayfield and the Lamar Jackson. He could have been in those camps. He didn't. He chose to be a three-sport athlete. He chose to help his family on the farm. And those things put him behind developmentally. So when he got to the pros, like a lot of the things people saw, they're like, why did he end up at Wyoming? Why was he in JUCO? Because he went to fire, he went to fireball high instead of going, you know, to high school closer to Fresno and getting more exposure. So those are choices that he made. But ultimately his talent shone through enough to where he was able to make it to that big stage. Why did he have scouts going all the way out to Wyoming? Why were people flocking out there? Because they saw this raw untapped potential. And so especially at the college level, like numbers can be so deceiving. They can be the, the, the biggest liar out there because not all things are created equal in, at the college level. And the sooner people realize that, the, the better, they, better off they are. And I saw that early with Josh. And so I was a lot more forgiving as far as evaluating like the numbers and the play and like watching it uh, versus some of the other guys like with, with Mayfield and, and Darnold, like I knew that those guys were elite 11 guys that had gone through all the quarterback training from an early on. So a lot of their game was more finished than, than Josh. So there was less room for growth. Same thing, Rosen, same way, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a guy that essentially peaked like his first year in college and really in high school. And there wasn't a whole lot more after that. And so when people were infatuated with him, I was like, man, you, you're looking at the wrong things. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so that was that's kind of my stance with Josh and and how I got uh, in on him early. And uh, I was that was draft day, man. I, I was probably one of the very few people that jumped off their couch in excitement and not you know in anger. Absolutely, man. And the question that I really have for you, Randy, being able to follow Josh for such a long time is. For you, that for people like you that really believed him in him before the draft, you know, could you already see this this kind of of internal fight to against himself, just looking for big plays, uh, not protecting himself? Could you see that as a potential reason to be a little bit afraid of him as a prospect in the next level? Was this the kind of, for example, even for people who believed in him to become a superstar just like he did did you already had in mind this kind of okay that's something that can hurt him in the next level that's something that he gotta change or or do you believe that oh you just gotta live with both the good and the bad and that's who he is and what do how do you see the situation man yeah i mean when he was coming out my thought on it was that let him catch up as far as how far back he is. So like, and Joe Marino did a good job of kind of tracking, like he was behind so many snaps, right? So once he caught up to that, you could see where he moved past the guys in his class. So like Mayfield went one, Darnold went three, Josh went seven, right? And for the first probably year and a half of their NFL careers, they were around the same area. May, you know, Mayfield, I think started off a little bit better, but then after that is when Josh really caught up, right? And it's been, you know, to the moon since then versus those other you know, three guys. Lamar was my second favorite guy in that class. And it was ex- he went ex- exactly the way that him. I thought he would. He went yeah. exactly the way I thought he would. I said, put him on a team that's going to utilize his skill set to the best of his ability to start with and then develop those refined passing skills further down the road. And he's going to be, you know, an all pro quarterback. And that's exactly where he is. Like he's a pro bowl, all pro level quarterback. And I think it's just going to take him having, you know, the next evolution as far as his, you know, other passing issues. But aside from him, with Josh, it, it really was a matter of let him get caught up, put talent around him to where he can trust what he sees and trust his receivers to make plays to where he doesn't feel he has to do it all himself, put it all on his shoulders. He's got big shoulders, but they ain't that big. You know, he's he's got to learn to trust people around him. And I think what you're seeing now is that, he still has that feeling of, I got to do it all myself. It's not a hindrance for me because the good far outweighs the bad. But at some point, like in the future, down the line, at the end of the season, in the playoffs, like there's got to be a way to break through that. And it's, it's all on him. You know, it's, it's all going to be on him. If he can force himself to calm down and say, I've got enough around me 
I'm going to let my playmakers make plays. It doesn't have to be on me. Absolutely, man. And about your analogy that you shared earlier on, uh, I just wish you can you can really make it it go and make it uh, make it Kyle Brandt uh, heard yeah. it and and pass the recommendation recommend the casino movie to Josh so he can see it and maybe think oh it makes sense you know something yeah because like. yeah because I mean when he says he didn't think about winning ten thousand he thought about winning ten thousand meant he was losing ninety thousand yeah because he normally plays a hundred thousand a hand and in so many ways right yeah that's Josh you know Absolutely. he could hit the underneath stuff and he might even see it like he'll see it you know post game when he's watching film and all that like they're going to point out to him and be like obviously you got a guy right there Josh, why'd you go you had why'd you go deep down. you had the yeah. first down look just run yeah no, all you got to do is touchdown right right all you got to do is run a couple yards we would have had a first down he's not thinking about yeah. moving the chains he's thinking yeah. about kill shot touchdown score yeah. absolutely man. sometimes you just got to get a first down absolutely so if if somewhere Kyle Brent can see this please take this <laughs> This analogy to Josh, please, Kyle. Yeah. Help Bills Mafia, man, please. And other than Josh, uh, Randy, uh, I I told this in my leading the charge in, in the post game in Portuguese last Sunday. Um, I think overall the Bills, they they aren't as bad as people want to believe now, but I yeah. think they showed again that they they kind of are the same team, you know, like they. They are the the defense can be really good in regular season can be the the top score uh, long scoring defense in in the NFL the offense I obviously believe they are gonna be great and we have a, a Raider fan here talking trash in the comment section and sorry man but I see your defense being killed by Josh Allen this Bills offense all right if he has his head straight and. The Bills probably are going to put up a, a, a lot of points on this Raiders defense with our respect. And they will be able to be a top five D offense again. And Dorsey, I believe he can get better in his second season. I don't I don't see him as a bad offensive coordinator. So I think they're going to be good enough to, again, maybe the division is tougher. So maybe win the division, maybe not. But they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs, to be a contender. But they're flawed. I think the same mistakes as we always see they repeat again and again so i don't trust them to be able to play four great games in january now and go to the super bowl win win it i don't I, right now i don't trust them with the, their flaws but they aren't as bad as people want to believe now how do you see this first game and how do you see this team going forward what could you see that really scared you for the season other than josh being over aggressive in what no. do you see as something that is still flaw and still something that the Bills need to get better? Sure. Um, so as far as as far as the season outlook goes, I felt like the Jets, and the reason why I wasn't really overly excited about this first game, is probably the worst matchup for us to open the season out of all available opponents. Mm -hmm. um, they play Josh the hardest. He's struggled with them. Uh, I don't think that that performance uh, is indicative of any major issues going forward. I really feel like it's one of those things where they kind of got our number right now and, you know, we got to work on uh, the way that we play them specifically in the future to win that next matchup. Uh, having Wilson going in game planning for Wilson versus Rogers is going to make a difference, obviously, but that was a bad matchup for us and it doesn't really concern me moving forward. As far as the Raiders go, I mean, I, for the guy in the comments, I, I get, you know, being confident in your team. And Max Crosby is a monster. But outside of yeah. Max Crosby and even Chandler Jones, there's really nothing there that scares me, uh, concerns me, uh, has me thinking that there's going to be really anything that they can do to put up any sort of fight against all the different skill positions. I mean, who – more eggs, all right. You got Marcus Peters. But other than that, defensively, the Raiders got nothing that can stop this offense. I mean, your your best hope is that Josh Jacobs rips off a big run every third time he touches the ball. Other than that, roll covers to Devontae Adams and, you know, dare him to beat you with Michael Mayer. Jacoby Myers is probably going to be out for this game with a concussion. I mean, 
what do you what do you what are you looking at to where yeah, you think I, this game is going to be competitive? The, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a blowout, three four scores. Me too, man. I just sharing the the defensive depth chart of the Raiders, and just like you said, okay, I get that you have Crosby and and the, for the 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 people who are really worried about the the fight the Bills put against the Jets, and they are like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Max Crosby versus Spencer Brown. Man, Tillery, Nichols, all due respect, but they aren't Wilkerson. They aren't that Jets defensive line. You know, they don't have the they don't have the deep rotation. So the Bills can game plan against Crosby here, and he obviously is a tough matchup as a one guy, but not as a unit like the Bills need to deal against the Jets. I really believe the Bills will be able to run the ball against this defensive line, unlike against the Jets where uh, they had. A tough time to to win the matchups uh, at the line of scrimmage, and just like you said, okay, Marcus Peters maybe is a guy who can take advantage of of bad Josh if it appears again in this game. But we saw that in games where Josh need to rebound from mul multiple uh, turnover games, he usually does well. He's more careful. The Bills play a little bit more under center, just like you pointed out in the Twitter, right? Uh, more under center stuff, a little bit more running from under center where you can uh, punish more uh, opposing defensive lines and you can open the play action for Josh where he's so dangerous. And, and that's like one of the things that they've gotten away from is the traditional play action stuff. Like I don't see it as much. And again, I don't go back and rewatch games and all that. Like I just, I don't have the time for it really. Mm -hmm. But, you know, based on my memory of watching the games, like I just don't see a lot of that you know, traditional play action plays that really, and that's one of Josh's strengths when he was coming out. It's still one of his strengths that he has incredible ball fakes. Like you can, you can lose it if you're not paying close attention, just watching the game as much less trying to defend it. And I think that really opens things up and I just haven't seen a lot of it. And I wish they would get back to a little bit more of that and just traditional, uh, you know, traditional running style plays and not the college, you know, mesh point, you know, RPO uh, type stuff. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a traditionalist. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, a pretty fair point. And especially, okay, we saw Josh playing well in this kind of shotgun offense and airing it out, especially when we have no choice and, and got to play from behind. But early on the game, early in the games, if I, uh, especially I have in mind that game against the 13 seconds game against the Chiefs. That was maybe the highest point of Josh's career. And he was coming from that awesome game against, uh, against the Patriots. And during the entire first half, and until the beginning of the, the second half, the Bills were playing with Josh under center, play action, trying to run the ball with Singletary, being very well balanced, not being very aggressive, overly aggressive at least. And in the second half, right after Josh uh, hit a big bomb to Gabe Davis out of play action under center, after that, the Bills started to open it up and, and go shotgun and and really enter in the in that bang bang versus the Chiefs. But before that, they player they played in, in a more traditional way, under center, trying to run the ball. And I believe that might be a way to keep Josh a little bit easier, you know, like a little bit calmer, a little bit without being overly aggressive so early in the game. You know, you keep that kind of stuff for, for late in the game if it's necessary. So that might be something we can see against this Raiders defense. After all, they don't have really a great team, a great defensive uh, unit here. And and other and even Chandler, Chandler, Chandler Jones to be able to play this game is a question too. So other than Crosby and then, Lamarco, and then Marcus Peters, you don't have really huge playmakers or guys that you got a game plan for in the defensive side of the ball, guys that can really win matchups against the Bills offense, in my opinion. No, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, going back to Crosby, I mean, look, they're going to have to, they're going to have to try and find ways to be uh, creative to get away from him, whether it's, you know, adding in Dawson Knox in the end to chip him or whether it's running, basically running away from him incorporating some short, you know, some short game to uh, to kind of draw them back a little bit, make sure he doesn't just have his hair on fire the entire game. I mean, 
look, they're they're watching tape of, of us and they're seeing that weakness of Spencer Brown and even Deion Dawkins sometimes too. So, you know, Crosby is going to be one to plan for. But as you said, the rest of them, I mean, there's nobody there. Tillery, maybe a little, but overall, no. I mean, there's nobody there that's, that's going to keep you up at night. It's it's Crosby, Crosby, and more Crosby. And if you can if you can find a way to neutralize him, then you should have a pretty good day. Yeah, man. Uh, especially, I look at the Bills roster sometimes, and and I look at it, and I'm like, okay, I can see a good roster, but not a great and awesome roster, you know, a loaded roster, maybe like the Eagles or the 49ers, you know, even sometimes the Chiefs and the Bengals. Uh, I see them as a good roster, but I see like, okay, Josh still got to be Superman to win against those great teams. Against the Raiders, man, I don't see this kind of team, you know. I see a team that don't, they they don't have people to cover Diggs and, and Kincaid and Gabe Davis. The, the same can't be said against some of those tougher competition. Usually the Bills struggle when they take away Diggs and they make somebody else beat them. The great differences, the good differences, the Jets, for example, maybe. The Raiders, not. I don't see like this. I can see Gabe Davis having a good day against the Raiders. I can see it's a, it's a great opportunity to try to get Kincaid going and make him confident and, and to make yeah. him, try to jumpstart him to become this number two option, right? Or the, this escape valve yeah. to, to Josh in the middle of the field. I think that's a great opportunity against this, this Raider defense. Absolutely. And and that's kind of the reason why you make that investment in Kincaid. I mean, traditionally, rookie tight ends don't contribute very much their first year. And, you know, I totally understand that Kincaid is being asked to be a little bit more than just a tight end. You know, he's very much a, a do-it-all type of weapon guy as far as where he's going to line up, snaps, and they're going to be playing a lot of 12 and all that. And that's great. You know, that's, that's why you would take a guy like that. Um, so him kind of getting into that role and becoming that 2A, 2B uh, target for Josh, being able to be a chains mover and being able to be somebody that he can rely on in the clutch to catch the ball um, on a consistent basis, it's going to really open up this offense. And like you just said about, you know, when you play teams like the Jets or when you have, you know, the top tier uh, teams that you're playing against, they take away digs. What do we have? Well, now we have that other option. We have that other answer to say, all right, if you want to roll all that coverage to Diggs, well, now we got this big guy out here, plus Davis, you know, plus the, the slot guys that we have mixed in there and Knox. So you can't, if you focus just on Diggs, now we have the weapons just by adding Kincaid to be able to open things up that much more, to be able to keep pace with anybody. I think, you know, I know that Lou Anarumo is a, is a great defensive coordinator, but I really think a healthy Bills team now with Kincaid, like by the end of the year, I think that's a different game um, offensively for us versus last year. Definitely, man. And how confident are you in Gabe Davis still? Guy just got voted by his his own colleagues as a captain. All the talk about him playing injured, the, the, the ankle bothering him last season. And, okay, just like Jamie Demico said here I was a few weeks ago in the leading the charge, having an ankle issue doesn't make you drop passes okay i agree but uh how do you feel about i was kind of i was kind of disappointed in him in, against the jets i expected more i know he didn't see the ball a lot there weren't a lot of targets his way but i still he's who he's still is who he always been you know the deep threat guy the kind of one trick pony where he gotta make people respect him deep and then he can punish them with some out routes, some comeback routes, uh, routes that even we don't see as much as we saw in the past under Dable uh, anymore with Dorsey. But those routes, I think it's where Gabe can really punish defenses, but expecting him to be, oh, now he's going to start to contribute more on the short stuff, intermediate stuff. I don't think Gabe is this kind of player. How confident are you as a compliment to him? Because, to Diggs, because... I was totally all over go and get the Andre Hopkins train, you know? And I feel I felt like okay, the Bills are, are gonna regret passing on him. And my hope now is more like on Kincaid being able to replace that or a mix of Kincaid and Gabe, but not only Gabe. 
how do you feel about Gabe going forward? I think I think Gabe is who he is right now. Um, he's definitely better utilized in the uh, deep intermediate areas than in the short game. Um, I just don't know if he has the um, the type of ankle flexion and quick twitch ability uh, to be able to do a lot of that uh, short stuff. He's definitely not anywhere near in the mold of like a Cole Beasley or a Hardy or Shakir or any of those guys. Like he's good at running those deep and intermediate routes and you can pull up the analytics and the, the, the route trees and all that uh, to back that up. I think it's been proven over and over. Now, Gabe thinks that if given the opportunity to run a full route tree, he's fully capable of that. Um, he considers himself to be a, a high-end receiver. I think he is a uh, he is a B plus type of receiver. You know, um, I don't know if he was ever given the opportunity to be a one. I, I kind of reminds me of like when Peerless Price went to the went to the Falcons after yeah. he left Buffalo, where he was paid like a one, but he never really got there. Uh, and I think Gabe is along those same lines. Like he's he's a great guy. He's a good receiver. He's voted a captain for a reason. But I just don't know if he has all the skills necessary uh, to be the guy that carries the the wide receiver core on his back. As a compliment to Diggs, I think he's a very good compliment in that intermediate and deep area. And I think with the addition of Kincaid and then uh, the further evolution of Knox, you have a really good group there. Then you add in the slot guys, the Shakirs and the Hardys and, and those type. I think it's a nice group. Um, I don't think it's like elite elite right now. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it with Chase and Higgins. Um, but overall, I think that they can create problems for any team across the league under the right circumstances. Awesome. Uh, let me know one thing uh, that I've been realizing or, or watching during the preseason and now week one. And I've been kind of, hmm, kind of, you know, kind of meh, like... Deontay Hardy, man, he was supposed to be electric. He was supposed to be a quick, twitchy guy, an upgrade to McKenzie, a guy who would make people miss. And and I haven't seen it so far, you know. I don't know, man. Is is it my eyes? Is it me becoming old and not watching it really good anymore? But because, man, I really expected more from Hardy. It's still early. Maybe he can get going uh, during the season. I hope it happens. But I haven't seen that game-changing ability out of as a returner, and especially like people were all over Dorsey, killing him. Oh, fire Dorsey! Dorsey had some new wrinkles to the offense and tried to get the ball on Hardy's hand early on against the Jets. But I just couldn't see him taking full advantage of that. You know, how do you see Hardy so far? How confident are you on him becoming a, a threat on in his role? I think it's one game, first of all. You know, it's it's very early. And also, I go back to the way that the Jets play us, right? It's not just a problem for Josh, but it's also for our receivers. If they're cutting off everything over top, that also means that they're sitting on all the... So that's why they're willing to give you the underneath stuff. Say, make, we're going to make you beat us by the Brady method of death by a thousand paper cuts, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're playing that way automatically anything that comes underneath they're going to be on top of and we saw it like hardy would get it wouldn't get far tackled same thing with dig same thing anybody else it wasn't a whole lot of run after catch and so hardy's biggest you know advantage is the quickness and the quick twitch and everything and that lends itself to being open in space the jets weren't giving him space right mm -hmm. against other teams where he's able to catch it in space and make a move and get to the second level I think he can make some really electric plays. I don't think he's a full load type of guy. Obviously, he's a he's a contributor type. Um, but I think it's just it's way too early to make a definitive judgment on that yet. If we get to week eight, week nine, week ten, and we're still seeing the same limited impact, yeah, you can question it. But right now, it's way too early. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I just haven't seen really a real upgrade over McKenzie, you know. At least uh, we can agree that he has, it has been an upgrade in the sense of keeping care, uh, taking care of the ball, not fumbling, not botching uh, some of those punts, you know. So at least in this department, he's being more more uh, dependable, right? I mean, I McKenzie got like five years from us, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, he, got a, he got a lot of leeway for a limited Absolutely. impact. I, th I think if, if Hardy's around for five years, we, we would see a lot more impact than what we got from McKenzie. 
Absolutely. Um, to close out the, the offense, so we can talk a little bit defense and Raiders offense. Uh, Marcel, Marcel is the dad of the Os Irmãos Sapequinhas. That's the Portuguese for uh, the, I don't know, the saucy little brother, something like that, okay? So, Marcel is the dad of these this guys, and Marcel is, is asking us about Spencer Brown, if he will be playing, starting, that's what he means here. Uh, I believe so, Marcel, they won't bench Spencer Brown right now, it's early, and... <laughs> He wasn't he he wasn't good, but you know, for somebody that they never tried to replace or to get real competition during all of season, it's not a one bad week they, they, that they're gonna bench the guy and go another route. So, how worried are you about Spencer Brown, Randy? Because a few years ago, I, I felt I believe again in the season that ended in the 13 seconds. My gosh, it always comes back to my mind. I gotta move on, man. But uh, if I remember correctly, that year I used to tell people here in my leading the charge in Portuguese, uh, I used to tell them, look, this team is really good, but we have a huge hole in this offense. That's John Feliciano. We gotta replace him. We gotta find somebody in the trade market. And I remember the the Jaguars guard being a possibility thrown around during the the, the trade deadline. And unfortunately, we never fixed that that season but John Feliciano was the hole in our offensive line and right now I don't feel our offensive line is really awesome but it's not awful it's a decent group with Spencer Brown being the problem in my opinion how do you feel about him going forward do you think a move gotta be made there do you believe still in him uh, I mean, I think Brown started off good uh, his rookie year, and then it's kind of been a, a descent from there. Uh, where he finishes the year, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I want him to do well because I'm a Bills fan, because I want that that position to be locked up. But right now, I don't have as much faith as I did going into the season, uh, or even last year. You know, when you can kind of put it off on some injuries. Uh, I I do think long term they need to look for a better answer there. Um, they did sign Jermaine Afidi uh, to the practice squad, and uh, chances are, if he's healthy, that you'll probably see him get elevated if Spencer Brown continues to struggle. I know there was a report today that they showed interest in Lyle Collins, uh, who just got released from the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So, and, and he's another guy, when healthy, is, is a very good player. Uh, so th- there should be some competition brought in, and I, I think going into this coming draft, tackle should definitely be on everyone's mind. Because uh, again, this is year three for Brown. He'd be going into year four of a rookie deal. There's no fifth year option, obviously, as a day two pick. So it's a it's one where you need uh, to start thinking about futures there. And if Spencer Brown isn't the guy that you want to extend and bring back, then you got to start looking for other options. So I would I would keep that in the back of my mind come uh, come draft talk draft season. Yeah, Marcel is obviously without any patience anymore with with Spencer Brown, and it's understandable. I can understand him. Uh, but I believe Marcel Spencer Brown will get some games still uh, until they try to go in a different route and maybe Philly or or, or bringing somebody else from outside. But yeah, they're not now, they're I, not going to bench him after one week. It's just oh, no, it's no. not the way this coaching staff operates. Yeah, for sure. I think they will be patient. This is year three, first year with a real off season of work for him since he was he yeah. got drafted right. So they're gonna gave him a little bit more time before he can uh, really uh, maybe be benched or, or maybe finally play closer to the level they expect him to be able to do so. Red and White Bills uh, has his uh, his wife here from Sao Paulo and he got his in-laws in the Bills Mafia. Awesome, man. We have a, a decent group here in Brazil, man. Great to hear. That. And so to close the, the offense... I'm really happy with how Torrance has played so far as a rookie. It's obviously early, but the way he was inserted in the, the offensive line almost since day one in the training camp and and beating, uh, if not a high potential guy, but a sound guy in Bates and being able to play the way he played against Jets and against Wilkerson, man, it is impressive. And I really believe Brandon Bean finally could hit some a pick in the second round with this guy. How do you feel about Torrance? 
Well, kind of the opposite of the Cody Ford pick, right? You know, yeah. Cody Ford was he moved up for Cody Ford, and, and that pick didn't work out for you know whatever the reasons were. So you see him take another swing on Torrance, and this time it looks like it worked out. Um, I think Torrance was, you know, from my eyes, from what everything else that I've read, um, I think he was everything that everyone imagined uh, he could be. I think he's going to get better. Um, he's strong. Uh, he's he's solid. I, I was very impressed with what I saw. I like what I saw. I think uh, it's only upward trajectory from here. So it, it seems like finally that position is locked down. And, you know, when, when you're talking about the offensive line, uh, this is if, if Connor McGovern comes back next year, right, which he should, he was signed, he was signed for that purpose. That would be the first time Deion Dawkins had, plays next to the same guy in his entire career from the time he was drafted to now. So, and for O-line continuity, that's huge. You know, for only having two guys that have been consistent starters there in, in the last, you know, three, four years, having guys come back year over year with Torrance and now with uh, with McGovern, it's going to be a it's going to be a big deal for us. So I, I'm excited about the future of the offensive line. Uh, hopefully it gels together uh, going forward. But I'm, I'm pretty excited about Torrance uh, and, the, and the O-line in general. We can just fix that, fix that right tackle spot. Awesome. So, uh, Randy, let's talk some Bills defense and Raiders offense, right? And let me share again the, the the Raiders depth chart here. And the Raiders offense, man, especially without Jacoby Myers, because with Jacoby Myers, okay, they have a, a nice group of skill position players. It's not awesome, but because maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a decent, but, you know, he's not the quarterback that you really – uh fear right but josh jacobs awesome running back Devonte adams awesome wide receiver jacoby myers as a, your number two that's a guy that i really like as a number two and hunter hanfro a guy who a lot of people loves but i know my friends in at cover one love greg thompson loves hunter hanfro he wanted to trade badly for him uh sometimes during this offseason so they have some some decent weapons but Still, man, that's not an offense that's gonna put a lot of points on the board. And this offensive line is very suspect with Greg Van Roten, our old friend, starting <laughs> for yeah. them, right? Yeah. So that's a, a, a mismatch where you expect Ed Oliver to eat, man. And I don't get my hopes so high because every, it seems like every time I really believe Ed Oliver can become the guy we hope he. He could become. Then he plays badly, man. And the last time was against the Bengals in the playoffs last year against that backup offensive lineman that they had there. But now again, man, an opportunity against a guy who who he played against a lot during practice. And and that's a mismatch that the Bills got explored. The, the, the Bills defensive line looked good against the Jets. That, that's something that everybody's just talking about. Josh just talking about all that went wrong, but there were some positives in this game. And one of them that was I was really worried about was the defensive line performance without uh, Von Miller, because last year without Von Miller and with Von Miller in the lineup, they were two totally different groups. And they start against the, the, the Jets was really good. Floyd played great. Rousseau looks like a guy who's taking the next step. And inside also, we know what we can count on Daquan Jones and and Ed Oliver being dominant, I think they have a great opportunity here against the Raiders to showcase their improvements for this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you got to be happy with the defensive line in the first game against the Jets. Leonard Floyd, worth every penny of, uh, of that late deal that they that they signed him to. That was a great move by Bean. Uh, for all the things you could criticize Brandon Bean for, getting some of these uh, free agents late in the in this free agent uh, period is is genius and leonard floyd being top amongst them this year uh he was worth every penny uh that first game and i i'm really looking forward to watching him and rousseau and then eventually when von miller comes back uh watching those guys just continue to wreak havoc off the edge and and play with their hair on fire uh oliver man i mean from the day he was drafted the, the big question was being an undersized you know spark plug type guy that he is is his speed and power going to be enough to overcome the lack of length 
um, to be able to make a consistent impact and become an elite player that you would expect with a top 10 pick. And so far, the answer has been not enough. You know, uh, he, he gets opportunities, uh, and when he does, he tends to make the most of them. But then there's sometimes where he just can't really, you know, finish it off, get in there and, and do what you would want him to do. Now, some of that has to do with consistency next to him on the interior. Uh, and now with, with a healthy Jordan Phillips and with Daquan Jones uh, and Tim Settle, uh, you know, hopefully you get to, he gets that consistency to where you can uh, rely on him a little bit more. But the, the, the growth of Greg Rousseau, you know, this year so far, and then adding Leonard Floyd is just, it, it seems like a night and day difference based uh, as opposed to last year. So, and then you have, you know, AJ Epinesa and Shaq Lawson even getting in on the action on, on Monday. Uh, very exciting stuff for, for us as Bills fans and for the Bills as a whole, I think. Um, from linebacker position, I mean, what can you say enough about Matt Milano just being a, a hell of a player there? I didn't get a chance to focus on Terrell Bernard a lot, um, but I, I, from what I hear, he did pretty well in his first start. Um, I know they got Christian Kirksey uh, waiting in the wings, and and a lot of people uh, want to plug him in automatically, but I'd say if, if it wasn't a complete fire uh, the first game, I would not move off of Bernard yet um, if I were this coaching staff, and I don't think they will. I think he was their plan. The fact that he missed the entire preseason and walked in uh, as the day one starter I think means a lot more than, than some people realize. I was never a big fan of his uh, from the day he was drafted. I didn't really get the pick, um, but like obviously the, the coaching – arguments on twitter <laughs> yeah yeah obviously the coaching staff likes him and you know look if it's good for the bills it's fine by me so yeah. that's where i stand on i'm i'm totally willing to disregard the fact that i didn't like a pick as long as it works out great for the bills and how did you feel about dorian because it was kind of dub doubling down but maybe you like the the, the prospect better uh no Bernard. no <laughs> no no I, I hate I hated the idea of drafting another undersized Will linebacker uh, in the third round. I thought, you know, for lack of a better term, I thought it was a, it was dumb. I thought it was unnecessary, and you know, I was a big Jack Campbell guy coming out, uh, so I, I was really disappointed that uh, he didn't slip further to where we could have gotten him in the second. Obviously, I love the fact that we got Torrance as a backup, you know, as a backup plan for that. So I'm not I'm not going to say I want to give away Torrance by any means. <laughs> But um, uh, I would, I just didn't really get the Dorian Williams thing. I know some people were high on him, um, but especially since we just took Bernard the year before, I was like, man, what are we doing? We're, we're backing up, uh, you know, the same position over again. And I mean, unless the idea is to some, for whatever reason, move off Matt Milano, which I just can't understand, uh, would yeah. ever be the idea, then you're basically just taking a, a backup and a special teamer with a premium pick. And I consider anything day one and day two to be premium picks. And I, I hate the idea of wasting premium picks on guys that don't play, you know, valuable minutes, valuable positions, valuable starts. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hated it. <laughs> I could, I, Fair enough. You know, and I just, again, if he becomes a great player, then fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, not a big fan of it right now. Yeah, man. And I, I, I just feel like, especially when Bean himself said it in the podcast with, I, I, I forgot his name, Long, the Long guy, Chris Chris Long, maybe? Yeah, Chris Long. Uh, yeah. Far, farmer Pass Russia, right? And and when Bean himself said about, oh, maybe Edmunds was a little bit too big and, and a mismatch, and then I, I, I think that kind of uh, confirmed to me that they wanted like a, a double Milano pair at linebacker, you know, even if it's going to bring difficulties due to size and and because Dorian and, and Bernard are, are they are just like you said they are perfect for Milano's role not for Edmund's role you know but yeah. with when Bean said something like that I was, I was like okay that's been the plan and and maybe that's why they double down with Dorian Williams as a plan B maybe next year on if Bernard doesn't pan out but I liked what I saw from him And again, if he plays badly, I would be the first one to tell you, well, I think he sucked, you know. But no, I liked how poised he was. Like, he's in a role of, of leadership and communicating all the time. And I could see a lot of this from his game, uh, in this game, about Bernard communicating, about him being in good position. If you look at the cover run, break it down perfectly. 
in the in Rogers play where he got injured, Rogers was forced to hold that ball mainly because of Bernard, because Bernard took away the, the tight end, passed him out to the safeties, and then take took out the other crossing route. And, and then Rogers didn't have where to go anymore, and that was the time to to Floyd arrive. So I think he's a, a good fit in especially in coverage. Obviously, against the run, we gotta be careful because we are a small defense now. You already said Oliver is undersized. That can't be. Uh, it's obviously true. And then we have Milano and, and Bernard, and they try to upgrade a little bit the size of the defense, taking away sometimes Tyrone Johnson and using Taylor Rapp as the nickel or the weak side linebacker in, in the base defense. You know. The defense is small, man, and it's not like we have a lot of speed in the, the in the secondary, right? Or secondary yeah. isn't the so I, I'm a little bit afraid of this combination of small front seven and slow defensive backfield. You know, it's not a great combination. It's not something that we used to to hear about uh, when we think about a smaller defense. But uh, to answer John here, asking, do you think they will even even call uh, Christian Kuxey up? after he learns the playbook. I think Kirksey is the plan B for this season. Uh, I think that's where they are. They feel safe now about having Kirksey as the plan B. They they aren't uh, comfortable enough having Dorian starting this year. It's been pretty clear. They don't plan on having Dorian ready to play middle linebacker this season. They think Dorian needs at least one year to learn it, just like Bernard had, right? And Dorian might be a... a uh, a factor in this competition next season. But for this year, man, it's Bernard getting his shot, in my opinion. And if uh, after six weeks, maybe seven, if they don't feel really comfortable and Bernard struggles, I believe they're going to move on to Kirksey maybe after the the the, um, the bye week or something like that. And they kind of can feel a, a little bit safer with Kirksey there. But not in their plan, you know, of having a double Milano, let puts it like this. Kirksey and Milano aren't interchangeable pieces. Kirksey is your traditional middle linebacker and nothing wrong with that, but it's all a matter of what's the plan for this defense. And I feel like they have a plan with this kind of smaller linebackers playing, you know, already. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think Kirksey is more of an insurance thing. They want it. I mean, Bernard missed the entire preseason with an injury. So I, I think with, with Dorian Williams not being ready yet um, for that for that role, I think signing Kirksey, a guy who I think being admitted, he's like they've kind of been after him for a few years. Um, so being able to get him on the practice squad, acclimate to the system, and then bring him up to the roster if need be uh, is a good get, you know, for for Bean and for the Bills, uh, kind of break glass in case of emergency type type thing. Uh, I again, I, I don't think that they would move off of Bernard quickly uh as long as it wasn't a complete dumpster fire which obviously based on week one uh it wasn't so yeah i, I think uh it's a good backup plan and it's smart by being to go ahead and bring him in early so he can get acclimated and be ready to go if called upon awesome randy to close it out man looking at this raiders offense how do you see them i gave a a quick look at them but how do you feel sure. about this offense and with those weapons, this offensive line, the quarterback, what's your opinion? So I think uh, you know, based on week one, uh, they didn't use Renfro a whole lot. So was that kind of just a week one thing or was that a trend going forward? We're not sure yet. You got to account for them. Um, obviously you have to account for Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. So that's kind of your, that's kind of your, your holy trinity as far as the Raiders offense goes. Renfro, Adams, and Josh Jacobs outside of that. Uh, the rookie, Michael Mayer, keep an eye on him. Um, and then also the other rookie that they drafted, the other guy from Cincinnati, Trey Tucker, the speed demon. Um, I would be careful about if he trots out there, um, about where he's lined up and keeping an eye on him because that's a guy who has elite speed. Uh, he's not just fast. That guy has elite speed. So if he goes out there, especially with Myers out, if Jacoby Myers is out and Trey Tucker has to come out there and, and – play a little bit more than maybe he would normally. Um, I would be real curious to see how they go about uh, making sure that he doesn't get loose on somebody because if he gets, he, remember Lee Evans, if he's even, he's leaving. Trey Tucker's faster. So 
if he if he gets open and they can get the ball to him, there I don't think there's anybody on our defense that'll catch him from behind. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Obviously, Devontae Adams being Devontae Adams, you you got to double up on him. Um, but it's all predicated on Jimmy G having the time to throw. And with this defensive line, I just I don't think there's enough consistency there to to really worry. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, 33 to 13, you know, that type of score. Uh, and it's going to be comfortable for us. Yeah, man, I, I really believe the Bills uh, have uh, the perfect matchup here too, especially without Jaco Jacoby Myers, who's uh, a guy who has proven that he can play well against us also, against this, this defense. He knows the matchups. He knows this defense yep. and how to get open. Uh, I the think offense. They have... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think the Bills have a, a real nice opportunity to get back on track this in this home opener. And... And to show that they aren't as bad as they were in, in week one and they no. are still the top contenders from the FC East, in my opinion. And obviously, a challenge with the Dolphins and even the Jets is still with this defense. We saw them being in... They weren't like, oh, I saw another thing that I said in the last... leading the charge in Portuguese. It's not like the Jets without a quarterback. They were a top, a bottom three team. They were fighting for a playoff spot and that defense was leading them there. Right, that defense and and Brees Hall mainly, but the one that got away, Brees Hall, the one that got away. Yeah, that guy, yeah. man, that guy, that guy, and we'll see him a lot for a lot of years, unfortunately. But I really believe the Bills can can show the world again this this weekend that they are ready to compete and to be a, a contender again. Will be will they be good enough to win it all? I don't know. I think this season will be an opportunity to solve the issues, to to see if Spencer Brown can keep his job, to see if Bernard can keep his job, to see if Benford, who played great in this first game, can keep the cornerback to job, to see if the guys, the old guys, aren't old, uh, old too old right now, right? And they can stay play, keep playing at a good level, at the championship level. But I think the Bills will be will be there. They will be competing. And if they lose this game, man, with all the respect to the Raiders, but if they lose to the Raiders in this home opener, then maybe we could start to get worried about, okay, maybe maybe they are starting to implode under McDormand or, or things like that. If anything can happen any given Sunday, maybe it's still too early, even after a loss against this Raiders team. They aren't no slouches. But I think that's the perfect opportunity to get back on track, Randy. I think they must win this game and 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 showcase the world they they aren't this uh, a joke like they are being treated right now. Yeah, I mean this is this is the definition of a get right game. You know, it's a home opener. It's against all due respect an inferior opponent. So they should be able to go out there and work on the things that that they feel they need to work on and win this game. Can't take anybody lightly, obviously, but this is a get right game. This is where they kind of put it out there and say, this is who we really are. You know, week one was an outlier, an anomaly, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, this, if they lose this game and it really depends on how it happens, but yeah, if you, if you go out there and you lose this home opener, there's some questions that'll have to be answered and asked um, more so than they have been. I, I have a hard time seeing it, man. I really, yeah, I really yeah. do. I mean, on the, on the one to 10, I'm at like a nine, eight, you know? Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, there's a chance for, or for Vegas, but um, I don't think there's much one. Awesome, man. Randy, thank you so much for taking your time, joining us here today, man. Uh, it's been a blast and I could stay all after, uh, it's already 2 PM here in Brazil. I, I could stay all afternoon talking views with you, my friend. It's, it's, it's been awesome. I really appreciate you taking your time joining us and the, the doors of leading the charge are always wide open when you want to join in just hit me up man it's gonna be a, a pleasure to have you on yeah man anytime anytime like i said i'm you know i'm uh i'm available i'm actually i'm at work right now so i gotta get back to work but uh <laughs> but yeah man any anytime you want me on just give me a shoot me a dm and i'll be more than happy to join you this is a great time i appreciate it 
Awesome, Randy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bills Mafia. You participated in the chat and interacted. I really appreciate you. Take your time at least to, to hit the like button, subscribe to Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel. You also can hear me and the leading the charge on your favorite podcast aggregator, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And I will be back on Sunday with a post-game show in Portuguese for our uh, Brazilian, Latin America, all Brazilian, all Portuguese-speaking language countries. I'll be talking Bills in Portuguese on Sunday post-game show. Bills Raiders, hopefully after a great win, just like Randy and, and I predicted here, right? I hope so, man. And thank you so much. Bills Mafia, see you around. Go Bills. Go Bills.